Welcome to this week's episode of Entertainment Geekly, your home for all things sci-fi, fantasy, and awesome. I'm Darren Franich, and with me, as always, via telephone, Entertainment Weekly's Jeff Jensen. Darren, how are you today? Jeff, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, as you know, next week is E3, the big video game convention, so let's just dive right in here. Uh, you know, there's Darren, a lot of... Yeah, Darren, yes? Darren, I, I, I don't think we could start with E3, my friend. I, there's something we need to talk about. What? what and, what? and I, I think you know what it is, I, I, because I know that it is, it is causing you pain. Pain, perhaps, that you wish to not to acknowledge or talk about, but it's pain that you need to deal with. And I and I think you know what we're what we're talking about here, my friend. Uh, you know, I was I, I was I was really hoping that we wouldn't need to talk about this. My, my therapist and I have been you know working through a lot of the issues uh, attached to this. I, uh, but if if if, if, if you insist, um, well, I mean, I think I can help you in ways that your therapist can't. Because whereas your therapist can guide you through the deep emotional psychological complexities of the matter. I can help you provide the catharsis for a, a meaty, geeky, pop culture conversation about the, the tragedy that is G.I. Joe retaliation being moved out of the summer into early next year. Even even just you saying it, Jeff, is like feeling the dagger go into my heart again. Uh, as we discussed in our summer movie preview, that was probably the movie that I was most excited for this summer, besides that movie starring the guy dressed in a uh, in a bat outfit. Stop, uh, stop, I, stop, I, stop, stop, stop. We, we need to stop right there before we actually have anything like an intelligent conversation about the business of Hollywood. Um, but uh, but but Darren, can we back up to the part where you said that this was a movie that you were most eagerly excited about, that on par with The Dark Knight Rises? And you explained this a little bit in our summer movie preview. I, I, I kind of want to just like take a moment here, my friend, and explain why G.I. Joe retaliation means so much to you. This is this will be good. This will this will really allow me to talk through the issue. Uh, you, you know, Jeff, uh, I, I was not a huge fan of the first GI Joe. I don't know anyone who was, um, but uh, something about the preview for this new movie, you know, the, the sense that they were almost sort of imitating one of my favorite movies from last year, Fast Five, with the sort of sensibility of you know, let's just really take this thing up to eleven. Let's throw in The Rock. Let's throw in Bruce Willis. Let's pretty clearly kill off Channing Tatum because nobody cared about him anyway. Uh, you know, they there was that that great shot in the trailer for the movie where I really realized, you know what, this movie may be stupid and I don't care because I'm going to be first in line. It's right at the end of the first trailer when you see the ninjas are all kind of rappelling down the side of the mountain. Then they start, you know, they all take out their sabers and start fighting. And then for no reason at all, the mountain seems to explode as if the sheer awesomeness of what the ninjas were doing made the earth incapable of you know really dealing with life anymore uh, I, I I had really sort of pumped this movie up in my head and so to, to not have it there uh, waiting for me at, at the end of June has been really difficult for me to work through now I, I, I want to affirm uh, he, here in this podcast maybe especially for the benefit of our of our audience who is listening to Darren right now and and, and kind of going like come on Come on, really? Like, like, like you, I think, I trust, Darren, that you're actually being sincere here, that you actually were genuinely looking forward to and expecting a very entertaining time with G.I. Joe retaliation. I want to know, like, 
Like, like, what is that about? Is it is it some kind of like ironic joy, or is there just kind of like pure action movie fandom kind of thing that this movie seemed to represent to you? I think that it is something that began for me uh, when I went in to see Fast and Furious, that being the the, the fourth Fast and Furious movie, Uh, when I went in to see that expecting to ironically enjoy it and then found myself actually enjoying it. That was a feeling that sort of came even more to the fore with a movie like, uh, I think, like like The Expendables and then again with Fast Five. I I, I sort of feel like, uh, you know... As much as I do sort of love and appreciate a lot of contemporary action cinema that's come out of Hollywood, I, 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 I definitely feel like something has been sort of lost in the move towards the sort of Jason Bourne, Bruce Wayne style, uh, you know, like these these sort of like everyman su- like superheroes or, you know, these characters who have real troubled backstories and it's always kind of shot with, with shaky cameras. There's a part of me that is very nostalgic for what a movie like G.I. Joe Retaliation seems to represent. Again, I want to make this very clear. This is going entirely off of a trailer, which is just this sort of sense of like, you know what? Like, Cobra's in the White House and the only one that can stop them are The Rock and Bruce Willis. The two (laughs) sort of like, the two sort of least emotionally deep action movie characters of, you know, the last decade, really. So I... There's something for you that is nostalgic or pining for, at least just wanting... Something that kind of like cuts against the grain of the, the, the current mold, the contemporary kind of like action movie, which strikes you as a little bit like I maybe self-serious. I think yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, there's there's a part of this. I'm I, I am glad that we're, that we're talking this out now, Jeff. I realize now there's the, 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 there's a part of this that's, that's very sort of you know me kind of reaching for the green light over across. Uh, the river or whatever Great Gatsby reference I'm trying to make. There's a, a, a sense that, like, you know, as much as I have kind of enjoyed where action movies have gone, I, I do sort of miss I w- what I would describe as maybe the stupid innocence of the 80s action cinema. Um, which, which really, and this is why I sort of find myself enjoying The Rock more and more, because here's someone who just does not fit in in any way. You know, like, he, he almost couldn't even really be a superhero because he's so much larger than life, and we've sort of gotten used to the idea that superheroes, at least in their daily life, are more sort of like every guys. And just like, I, I mean, I remember when, when he like tweeted the shot of himself from the set of G.I. Joe Retaliation, <laughs> yeah. and it was just him looking like a guy who had probably swallowed an ox that morning and then absorbed it into his biceps, holding a huge gun and firing it off into the desert, I realized, you, you know what, I, I, I don't think it'll be a good movie, but I, I think there's, there's a sort of purity to that that I, I sort of feel like we've gotten a little bit away from, you know, in, in this era of sort of almost needing a little bit more realism in action movies, which, again, yeah. I mean, you know, action movies by their nature aren't very, you know, realistic, so... Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting to me that you, you talk about it in the context of nostalgia, um, nostalgia for something that I think that maybe you would peg as, like, if I heard you correctly, as sort of the 80s, late 80s era action movie. How old were you in, like, say, 1987, Darren? 
in in 1987, uh, to date myself a little bit, uh, I was I was one when 1987 began, but I did turn two uh, some some months into 1987. So I think it's what I find interesting then for you, and I, this is actually going to go somewhere for me, and I will date myself too, since you were bold enough to put your put your age out there, which is that for you. Um, the, the, the from like say 1987, 86, 87 to you know uh, you know for, for for probably a good decade before pop culture consumption became a matter of choice or taste for you, um, where pop culture was essentially just the, the 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 wallpaper of your life, right? Just the it's just it's just there. You know, the, the, the Big Bang Boom era of Jerry Bruckheimer, Lethal Weapon, uh, you know, Late Rambo. Top Gun. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Tom Cruise, like, you know, like action movies were very much just part of your pop culture life. If you were to, like, go to some sort of all-ages four-quadrant movie, um, you know, by your parents or whatever, I mean, it was just it was just there in the same way that for me growing up, I was born in 1970, so from like, you know, 70, I'm a total like, you know, Gen Xer. So for me, the cultural wallpaper of my, of my youth was disco, cheesy sitcoms, Aaron Spelling TV shows, that kind of thing. So it's like no accident then that I seem to probably have like, you know, remind your effect, this is all to say that your affection or your, your, your nostalgic excitement for G.I. Joe Retaliation reminds me of the way that, Darren, I genuinely was excited for the release of that Gary Cole comedy classic, Brady Bunch the Movie. In the <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is like, yes, I had some kind of ironic regard, but I actually had an expectation of being vastly entertained by that movie. And I was. Well, and, and you know, I'm actually glad that, that you bring up the Brady Bunch movie because I, in some ways, I, I think that's a maybe overlooked example of something that became very prevalent afterwards, you know, th- this sort of like movie slash TV remake of a property that is essentially very nostalgic. I mean, I think in a sense, the Brady Bunch, even in its original incarnation, was already sort of a piece of of, of nostalgia in, in a way. You know, I mean, it, it certainly wasn't as boundary breaking as some '70s sitcoms were. But I, I actually think that that movie does a great job of being nostalgic and also being sort of like witty in its own way and sort of. Con- commenting on itself in its own way. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, by comparison, something like the movie Bewitched, which tried to do that, just seemed completely off base. You know, it was sort of a, a weird remake slash deconstruction slash just sort of sad attempt at making a sort of inside Hollywood movie. I, and also a satire, too. I mean, if I, if I my vague memory of that troubled, you know, like, snake-bitten movie is that you know, it also aspired to be about some cultural idea. I don't recall the Brady Bunch being about much of anything. <laughs> well, now, but now uh, this is interesting, though. So I, I'd actually like to ask then, Jeff, I mean, the, you know, what is, when I say, you know, I, I sort of yearn for the return of the 80s-style action movie, if, you know, you're someone who certainly approached those action movies from a different mental place than me because you approached them from a mental place and not because you enjoyed the pretty pictures, What what's your 
your feeling about that? I mean, you know, do, do you sort of miss that style of action movie making, or are you just kind of like, dude, what are you talking about? No, I mean, my the, the sport that I'm having with you is 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 very you know cheeky. Like, I totally kind of get where you're coming from, even if I had no re, you know and you know excitement for a GI Joe retaliation, and not the same as you did. Like for me, my relationship to those action movies. You know, those were things of my kind of like teenage years to like young adult years, and they were super fun, and I really liked them. But I ch- but for me, it's like I don't have a nostalgic regard for them. Like there were classics of those. I mean, there were those were all movies that I chose to go to, and I like um, when I kind of passed out of the wallpaper phase of my, t- my my pop culture consumption and started just sort of being in control of like here are the things that I want to see, um, like. Um, I like I don't I, I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly adequately, but for those movies for me like there were movies that I liked, there were movies that I didn't, but um, but I have no but I chose to go see them and uh, and, um, and 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 they just weren't like they weren't part of my childhood per se. They weren't something to be nostalgic about. Um, they were just things that, that I, I actively sought out and like I enjoyed them. But I moved on from them, you mm-hmm. know, like, and I, and I enjoyed to see how the thing evolved. I am probably now um, more inclined to, uh, I want, I, you know, I, I probably, uh, I am very, very good with gritty, like, self-important, pretentious action movies. <laughs> it's kind of probably kind of where, I, where I'm at. And so I don't know if that, that makes much sense to you. But no, no, no. Oh. I, I, guess, I, guess, I guess, like, not that I'm a, I, I love The Rock, and I love Bruce Willis, and I think I would see them in almost anything else. I think that my, my sort of attitude about G.I. Joe retaliation is that, yes, it does very much remind me of those sort of, like, over-the-top action movies of the 80s, and I've been there, done that. <laughs> you know, that's kind of like, that's kind of how I feel. Um, there's also another stink attached to G.I. Joe retaliation, and that kind of segues us into a topic about why, just so that our audience kind of knows if you haven't heard, this movie was bumped from, this movie was about to come out like at the end of June, and now it's being put into January. And there's all sorts of uh, theories as to out, out there in Hollywood right now as to why G.I. Joe retaliation got delayed. And one of the most prominent theories out there is that Paramount got Paramount, um, the studio I believe behind GI Joe Retaliation, got spooked by the box office failures of John Carter and Battleship. Which, like, now to kind of like come in a circuitous way to my point, which is that for me, GI Joe is like a toy brand. Um, it was it was attached to a, a, a cartoon which I very much enjoyed in the '80s. But for me, it's a toy brand. It's a I don't know, is it a Hasbro property? I don't know. But when I kind of think about GI Joe, I kind of think like, oh, it's one of those Transformers, you know, like uh, 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 like you know, like I just have a real I have just a knee jerk cynical reaction to these kinds of extrapolations from. Uh, of movies from, from, from toy stuff in the same way that when I saw that Battleship was going to be made into a movie, I just kind of went like, really? Seriously? I'm, 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 
like I, there's just no I, I, I just could not I just didn't that just bounced off my post I just didn't understand it yeah you, you know you'll get no argument from me uh, on any of those points that you just made there Jeff uh, I, I think that uh, the second two Transformers movies in particular are some of the, the biggest offenses ever committed uh, in contemporary Hollywood cinema or at least I did before I saw Battleship a couple weeks ago and I mean like however sort of bad we sort of in our collective mind for the last couple of years were thinking that a movie based on a game that used to be played on, on, on graphing paper, how bad that could be. This movie really, what's the opposite of, of, of X-Seed? D-Seed? This movie, <laughs> let, me, let me put it this way, this movie was terrible. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but I, I think what you're getting at is sort of interesting, though, which is that as far as my understanding goes, the notion behind greenlighting the Battleship movie was this is a brand that, you know, a, 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 I, I would assume a, a, a wide, um, a vast amount of people in, in America, at least, played when they were younger, you know, so of course they would flock to see it. And it seems to me as if, first and foremost, who even really, like, has has a has a nostalgic attachment to Battleship, you know? It's not like there's characters that you remember or... You know, probably even like you know, it's not even really a game that you know, like like Monopoly that you play with your family and you remember a really memorable Monopoly game. I don't know if anyone ever has outside of my family, but my family sure does. Sure. But um, it, it it just I, I, I do you sort of think that we're seeing a, a kind of Taylor Kitsch assisted sea change in Hollywood? I mean, like, do you think that that's why GI Joe moved because they were kind of like, well, like just the name recognition on this is not going to be enough? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to parse that situation. I mean, uh, it, it's interesting that a lot of other kind of, like, you know, Hollywood pundits have sort of kind of, like, linked the move to the failures of these movies because just the, that very analysis seems to play to the assumption that most people had about G.I. Joe Retaliation was that it was going to be a bad movie. Um, well, it is, yeah, well, yeah, it is, it is funny. Uh, sorry to break in, but like one thing that I read about it was that they were trying to reshoot it to make it better, and as the person who was most excited for it, I, I, I swear to God, like that movie being good was not the main draw of it. You know, It's kind of like, what, <laughs> what can they possibly do to it in, in, in post-production at this point? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of wonder if, like, if there's any truth to that kind of analysis, if, like, the, the fear was, oh, great, okay, so the Avengers is, is eating up everything in its path. Everyone is sort of, like, ramping up for Spider-Man and the Dark Knight Rises. Um, no one really wants to write about or is, no one really is going to care about um, G.I. Joe retaliation. And if they're going to talk about it, they're going to probably talk about it in that sort of ironic bad way that is bad for buzz and, and might kind of like think it's just, you know, like what I just kind of said, which is, oh, it's just another one of these battleship kind of movies, you know, and that was just a, a stink that they didn't want to be part of. There, there could be some great genuine entertainment value in there. I don't, I don't put, you know, as, 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 as cynical as I may be about G.I. Joe, I bet you that like Bruce Willis and, and, and The Rock could carry that movie, you know, um, I, I kind of like him a treat by the by the theory of like you know um, Channing Tatum is in GI Joe, right? 
Uh, he he is yes, and uh, right. I, I mean it, it's sort of an open secret that his character was going to exit this movie fairly early on. He was he was the main character of the original. Right, right, exactly. Um, and I should know that because I was really on the set of the first GI Joe movie and talked to him. So you'd think that I would remember and, that. And, and, and the, the first GI Joe is so unmemorable that Jeff Jensen was on the set of it talking to the <laughs> actors and can't remember a single thing about it. Right. But one of the one of the speculations that's out there is that you know. Over the past couple months, we've seen this sort of like, you know, Channing Tatum, you know, ascendancy, you know, where he's kind of distinguished himself um, and has and kind of like uh, proved to be a box office draw and a, a slightly more sophisticated kind of like um, a presence that we kind of thought about. And, uh, and, and so the idea that they were going to like get rid of him or that they might um, alienate a, 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 a potential you know, audience for this movie by getting rid of him so quickly and not having enough of him to justify his presence in the marketing. Um, you know, the idea then of going back to the drawing board and adding more of him, or maybe even like not killing him, but putting him in a coma, which might be really good for this franchise. You know what I mean? Well, like, and, 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 you know, it is funny that you mentioned that famously uh, in G.I. Joe, the movie, this was the the cartoon movie uh, back in the 80s, probably the first movie that I, that I remember, uh, you know, vividly, uh, they had initially killed off the main character midway through. And then the Transformers movie came out where they killed off Optimus Prime. Everybody hated it. And so even though the character is is visibly, like, dying and there's, like, blood coming out of his chest, someone just says, like, like off screen, oh, like, he's fallen into a coma. So I, I sort of imagine <laughs> I sort of imagine that that's what we're going to see here. The, 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 you know, the, the alternate possibility, which I'm excited for, Jeff, is uh, do you remember the famous episode of The Simpsons where they're filming Radioactive Man and they have to try to work in Fallout Boy using sh- uh, scenes they've already shot. I'm sort of <laughs> hoping that, you know, they do something like that with Channing Tatum, you know? They just kind of constantly, like, cut back to him from earlier in the movie and he's just sort of reacting to things that are happening later. Yeah, I... I m- my sort of sense, too, about the move... Uh, because it's not, it's not coming out in March, is that it does seem as if there's sort of this interesting, you know, early spring, March to April, mini summer blockbuster season that's happening yeah. now. I mean, you know, we saw it years ago with 300. Uh, you know, we saw it this year with The Hunger Games. And it, it almost feels to me like there's a certain amount of grade inflation attached to the blockbuster movies that come out there, you know? Like, you aren't, yeah. you aren't, you aren't expecting them to be Spider-Man or Batman level. And I, I mean, in that sense, it may be brilliant, because, again, I, I, I don't think Jedi Retaliation critically is going to be at that level, so moving it to that area sort of seems like, you know, it, it, it may be, this, you know, sort of a nice only game in town for people who want to go see absolutely shallow and in no way emotionally complicated uh, action movies uh, in, 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 in early 2013. Absolutely. As much as I think that there's a lot of negativity attached to this movie now because of the move, I actually think that once we get to March of next year, that this move is going to um, uh, help that movie probably do a little better business because I think that, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of 3D, but I know that now they're putting some 3D into the movie. Um, you know, maybe they're going to enhance the Channing Tatumness of it all. Um, but it will kind of benefit from that sort of like less competitive window because um, that movie was just going to get totaled. You know, I mean, like that that movie had maybe a good opening weekend, and then it was just going to get destroyed by by like other movies that were coming out this summer. So 
Um, you know, I mean, it's a little bit of like the Fast Five strategy, right? Which is, you know, that, that movie that's near and dear to your heart. But that was, an er- that, was, that was a movie that I think benefited from that early spring, that, that you know, pre-summer summer movie season, right? Uh, yes, uh, it, it actually came out the last weekend of April, so it sort of managed to sort of like, you know, the it, it, it wasn't quite a summer movie, but because it did so well, it sort of had the, I mean, I, I think that more than anything really cemented this notion of the, the pre-summer blockbuster blockbuster. Um, yeah. But uh, well, uh, you know, I I really think that uh, there we could we could spend hours talking about GI Joe retaliation, Jeff. I I certainly could. But um, what do you say with, with with the time that we have left? Should we move on to a quick little preview of uh, next week's E3 uh, video game extravaganza? Absolutely, I owe you that, and I, I and, and, and and I'm hoping that you can kind of drive it because I know that you're. You're really looking forward to E3. You're, you're going to come out to the for the convention. This I year, am. Right? Uh, I am. I am coming to Los Angeles. Um, uh, I will be on the floor at E3. Uh, I will. I will do my best to to not leave there. I'll, I'll be. I'll, I'll be locked in there every night. Uh, I just want to run down. You know the 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 sort of five things that I'm most excited for here. Uh, n- number one, Jeff. I, I think it's pretty obvious. You know we're going to get to get our hands on Nintendo's new system, the Wii U. Uh, I. I'm really sort of intrigued by it. I have not seen it myself, but everything that I hear about it, it really feels like Nintendo is not just trying to repeat what made the Wii so successful. It's really sort of trying to, in some ways, continue pushing the technology of the console forward. Now, uh, uh, did you get a chance to, to, to look at the Wii U yet? Or um, have, have you seen... I, I, I saw and played with the Wii U, I believe, um, it was last year's E3 where they kind of like gave us the sneak peek and announced it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I can't really kind of remember my own life, but yes, I attended that press conference and afterward they, they, they shunted us into a little room um, where we got to play it. And I, I was uh, really intrigued by it. I, I, I really liked it. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, we'll, we'll see, but I remember kind of like immediately leaving and saying that... Um, I'll invest in this. I know my kids will 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 want to invest in it. Um, I think it's a horrible name. I mean, because if I'm wrong, if I'm in the minority of people that thinks it's actually a promising bit of technology, and if the vast majority of critics and press out there like hate it, I mean, who can resist headlines like Wii U P U? You know what I mean? Like, so I'm just like, like, wow, they must be really confident that it's gonna sell. I mean, it is. It's always funny with that because you know I I kind of remember when the Wii was first announced and everyone had you know sort of the same reaction. I mean you know partially because at the time that style of console with its sort of motion gaming was so bizarre, but also just yeah like you know the the name was such a strange break from the sort of you know GameCube, Xbox, PlayStation style of of, of titling. I um I, I guess for, for me what what it, it intrigues me the most about it is. That you know, as much as yeah, as someone who grew up when I did, which now all our, all our listeners know that I'm about 17. Uh, you know, I, I I do feel a strong attachment to Nintendo and to all of their characters. As a video game fan, though, it's been hard to feel a lot of. Uh, respect for the Wii. It really feels as if, you know, once you get past 
Wii Bowling and WarioWare, the whole kind of notion of motion gaming, at least as I've seen it so far, basically comes down to you thought you enjoyed Zelda before, now, you know, try to swing this thing around and it you know, makes the sword work. And that's a bad example because I, I actually did enjoy their most recent Zelda game. But I, I sort of feel like, if, from what I understand with the Wii U, they're trying to make it a little bit more of a... Of a, of a system that you know could sort of return Nintendo to its prominence as a uh, as a console that really is at, at the forefront of gaming, which you know definitely does really kind of uh, excite me. I'm also just you know I'm excited that Shigeru Miyamoto is getting to make another Pikmin game again. Um, you know, but well, I, I think that if if if, if you know. Uh I have my doubts. Like everything that you just kind of said there was kind of like, eh, I'm not sure. Because, I mean, if, if the knock on the Wii, and I'm not saying it's much of a knock, but like it's not a, it's not a platform for like hardcore gamers. It's a platform for children and casual gamers and their like, you know, oldie moldy parents who have moved on from like, you know, like, like me. You know what I mean? I remember the one year when I was actively reviewing uh, games and I made like, you know, um, uh, uh, the Wii, like one of my number one game of the year, you know, the Wii Fitness thing. Like, and I got such blowback from that because it was like, oh, clearly this guy is not a hardcore gamer. I'm, I, I'm not, right? Well, um, but, but, but you... I, I don't know if I don't really know if this new technology, unless there's some kind of great killer app game that they're going to show this year, is going to like is 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 represent some major outreach to that to that to that group. Um, well, uh, but, you know, Jeff, you, you may have gotten blowback for that, but uh, you looked fantastic after you named the, the, the Wii Fitness true. your number My one game of the year. Never more. <laughs> never so, that um, well, okay, uh, let's, let's move on. Uh, I want to just point out uh, the, the non-sequel that I'm excited for before we get to the inevitable parade of, of Roman numerals. Uh, Jeff, uh, Naughty Dog, who created the Uncharted trilogy, uh, yes. they are going to be showing off The Last of Us, which is their post-apocalyptic, not not quite zombie, but sort of zombie-looking uh, survival horror tale. Uh, the, the 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 trailer for this hit earlier in the year. It looks really interesting, and you know, I I just think that like, as far as creating really just fun games that are like kind of well written and look fantastic and are even well acted, I I think that the the Uncharted games were very high up there for me. So I'm I'm excited to get a look at what they're doing next. It's always interesting when you know a a, a developer doesn't just return immediately to the well of Uncharted Four, you know. Well, I mean, the only thing that's exciting about what you just said there to me is Naughty Dog, um, because what otherwise, if you if Naughty Dog was not part of those string of words that you just uh, just just put out there, it just sounded like blah 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 every other video game, blah blah blah. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely, totally couldn't agree more. I mean, like uh, those guys are kind of you know are trailblazers they're very smart writers um they're pushing things technically i like what they do with uncharted like so i mean to whatever degree that i can actually get it up for another one of these kinds of games like i want to check out what they're doing with it now um uh one game series that i i know you also really enjoyed jeff uh it's number three in what i'm most excited for here uh the assassin's creed franchise is making its first real 
step forward uh, in, in in a few years now. Uh, Assassin's Creed Three is going to move the action to the Revolutionary War. I don't know if if you've seen the video of this, but what it means gameplay wise is that you know what has before been a very sort of like city based series of games where you're sort of like scaling uh, towers in Renaissance Italy. It's now kind of moving out into nature, and like there's there's been all this all this interesting footage of you as, as the character, you know, you're sort of like out in this Red Dead Redemption-y space and you're, you know, jumping over trees and stuff like that. I I think it, it could be interesting. I, I, I always go back and forth with Assassin's Creed because as much as I love the notion of this sort of really sparklingly well-created action series that is so steeped in historical lore, after Assassin's Creed 2, I, I sort of found my patience for holding down the button that lets me jump over things, wearing thin a, a, a little bit. I, I don't know. Like uh, you've you've played the last couple of Assassin's Creeds, I know. Like, well, what do you think about the, this new version of it? Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely check it out. I mean, like I'm, uh, although you know, uh, nothing gets me um, less excited uh, for uh, a video game uh, than well zombies, dystopia, and nature. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it sounds like to me I have, I, I have exactly as mixed feelings, but also strong curiosity as you do for this. Uh-huh. Well, let's, let's round out this, this list of uh, mixed feelings. Um, there are two games that I, I, I'm not entirely sure if they will be good. I want to I wanna say that first and foremost, but I, I'm a big fan of the franchises that they come from, and if nothing else, I'm intrigued to see where they take their respective series. Uh, in my head, I always kind of refer to them as the Of War duet. Uh, there's going to be a look at the God of War prequel, and also uh, announced literally 15 minutes before we started this podcast, a new uh, entry in the Gears of War franchise. Now, um, I, I, I personally am a huge fan of the original God of War series, and especially the third one, I, I think, just has a real interesting sort of nihilistic uh, edge to it that, if, if nothing else, goes further than any other game that, I, that I've played. And uh, I... I as, as a rule, I tend to be extremely suspicious of prequels, especially with a game like this that's so based on storytelling. But I, 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 I'm sort of intrigued by the notion of them bringing in multiplayer to the series. The, the new Gears of War, we don't know anything at all about, and I, I'm, also, I, I'm almost feeling very skeptical about it. It feels to me like that series has now reached this sort of halo-y point where all they can do is sort of curve back around and redo what's been done, you know, six, seven, eight times before. But I, you know, I, I, I sort of feel as if in the moment that we're in now with video games, creating sequels is so much a part of the firmament that I, I almost sort of like go to these uh, these things hoping that the sequels will be doing something new, you know? I mean, like, you sort of hope for the Dark Knight even if all too often you get Iron Man 2, so to speak. <laughs> That's a really good um, um, analogy there. Um, uh, God of War prequel sounds fantastic. I love that series, um, and I'm with you on the on on the last one that they came out with. Like 
that was one of my favorite games of the year. And um, Gears of War has always been a game that I've I, I've respected. That I, I've I've loved its intensity. I've always found it a little difficult for me. Um, um, but it's like uh, it's an impressive kind of thing that like. Um, like yeah, it, it more impresses me than like galvanizes me, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and I and and I and I feel the same way for you about uh, when it comes to video games. I I don't begrudge sequels at all. Um, um, I, I think that there's I, I I begrudge like the sameness that exists between so many franchises. But I, but I enjoy the idea of of a, a company or a developer kind of building a story over time, um, building out a world and improving upon kind of like the, their techniques and and the innovations that they come up with. Um, I, I enjoy seeing that creative arc in 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 in, in, in video games and in, in, in franchises, especially by the by, by the better developers. So, um, but both of those games sound very intriguing to me. Yeah, and I, I, you know. Um what we're saying about sequels, uh, you know, it's something that uh, uh, our colleague uh, Keith Staskowitz pointed out to me once. The problem with video game sequels is not that they're sequels. The problem is more that a sequel in the video game industry used to mean something very different. You know, if you compare Super Mario Brothers to Super Mario Brothers 3 to Mario Land to Mario 64, yes. there's right. a real sense of exponential growth in every direction. You know, I Absolutely. mean, those games are, are based on the same core concept but the actual experience of playing them and you know and you know it's it, it's not even the sense that one game is better than the other i mean the original super mario is still very fun to play even when you've played the 360 degree direction of mario 64 i i think what's what's more worrisome now is this sense that sequels are really just the same game with new dialogue recorded, maybe some of the rough edges uh, sort of sandpapered down, which in a sense is almost sad. Sometimes the rough edges are, are what makes these games sort of fun in, in a way. So I, I, I think that, you know, uh, the, there's a part of me that, you know, is, is kind of looking forward to next Thursday when I'll, I'll hopefully have played most of the major games and I can sort of go over to the indie games area and maybe find, you know, the next Braid or the next Limbo or, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, uh, the next Journey. I've, I'm, still, uh, I'm still, like, replaying Journey every couple of weeks and crying myself to sleep with joy. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, as someone who does value what the mainstream video game industry is doing and really does feel as if, you know, kind of now more than ever, they're at this interesting crux point where, you know, the way forward is not very clear. I'm, I'm just sort of intrigued to see whether these big franchises are taking, you know, big steps forward or if more worrisomely they're just sort of going to be, you know, treading water for, you know, for, for years and years to come. So. Yeah. That's well, I'm look, I'm looking forward to seeing what you what you're like, and I definitely hope we could talk about this a little bit next week, which is what your experience of of E3 is as a, as a first timer, and definitely hearing what really excited you from a perspective of someone who is so much more steeped and knowledgeable in video games th- th- than I am. I'm looking forward to kind of hearing your field reports of, 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 of E3. I, I, I anticipate that it'll be like the time that uh, my family took me to Disneyland for 24 hours, which is that the first half's going to be great, uh, then things are going to get very apocalyptic, and then I'm going to kind of lose my memory for a while. But by the end, it's, it's, it's going to be very fun. That's, that's kind of uh-huh. my, my, my assumption for the week. 
sounds like uh, as someone who's who's not as steeped in video games as you, that sounds like my experience of E3 as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that is like there is something really dazzling about being in that world, like you know, for the first day, and then and then it's relentless. But that's why, like, it's interesting that you said that you're looking forward to hope. You're hoping, hoping that you'll be able to like find that like like that gem that indie gem amid all of that like a sound and fury I, I remember when i went a couple years ago and played limbo for the first time there and it kind of like the discovery was was accentuated by the fact that it was so different um uh from everything else on that floor um in that wing and and so it certainly helped flatter that game but even kind of playing it kind of felt like like you were sort of like in this like wonderful little oasis uh of 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 art you know amid all of the of the commerce and and just overbearing rah 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 of that uh, sound and fury of, of 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 the convention yeah i uh yes uh i i'm 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 in agreement and uh you know uh i i think that you know there's just something appealing about Call of Duty Black Ops 2, but there's also something appealing about, you know, the the sort of smaller games that are maybe pushing the medium forward in a way that will only really be felt the repercussions, uh, you know, in in future generations or, 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 or uh, future consoles. Um, but yeah, uh, I, uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, I will be reporting from E3 uh, all next week uh, whenever I can find Wi-Fi. And uh, yeah, uh, maybe uh, next week, Jeff, we can sort of uh, you know talk about uh, what I what I saw there, what what I experienced, what I what I want to forget, um, and uh, you know we'll we'll have a full sort of E three breakdown. But I think that about wraps us up for, for for this week. Unless you have any final thoughts about GI Joe Retaliation, you'd you'd care to share, Jeff? Only that I hope that our conversation has has given you the catharsis to kind of like clean, you know, just just, just to, to be at peace a little bit with living here in a calendar year that, that won't give you the joy that that possibly is G.I. Joe retaliation. Life is all about disappointment and chaos, and uh, I, th- I think I've finally made my peace with that. Thank- thanks to you, Dr. Jensen. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm here to offer just that kind of medicine. <laughs> All right, uh, listeners, thanks as always for tuning in to Entertainment Geekly this week. Uh, As always, I'm Darren Franich. And I'm Jeff Jensen. Thanks, everybody, for listening.